is Bad Boys and Beyond with your hosts, Mike Payton and Keith Black Trudeau. The game's over and the Pistons have won the world championship. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back, Mr. Cotter. And welcome back to Bad Boys and Beyond. Maybe about four or five of our listeners will get the Mr. Cotter joke. Well, I don't know. We actually do pretty well with with that that age bracket. Uh, you don't know Mr. Cotter? No. This it was a no. TV it was a TV show in the seventies that John Travolta was on. Oh, he was like the Fonts before the Fonts was the Fonts. Huh. A- anyways, uh, <laughs> today we are going to be covering the two thousand eight NBA draft. Uh, this is going to be a really interesting one. It's going to be, uh, I have the number one pick and I've never been more uh, flustered over what to do before. So I am, I am, uh, I, there's a way that I think everybody thinks that, that I should go. And then there's a way that I think, you know, makes sense in another direction. Um, but we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll figure it out. Um, but before we get to that, the NBA finals closed out last night, Keith, uh, Denver, Miami and a really good game five. I mean, that was a that was a fun game down to the wire. It wasn't a blowout. It was um was that in fact a gentleman's sweep, sir? No, no, it was not. <laughs> you you kind of came to last week a little bit and said that it could be. No, 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 I no. Uh a, a gentleman's sweep is a a very specific thing. It is not just winning a series four games to one. It is when the higher seed beats the lower seed three games and then game four on the opponent's court, they let them win that one so their fans can finish the season feeling good about themselves and then finish them off at home in game five. It is the only formula, only formula for a gentleman's sweep. I know you brought this up that the the 2004 series uh, against the Lakers, which technically fit – under the two three two format, technically fit that criteria where the Lakers' final home game of the season was a win. I still don't agree because I think you have to prove your dominance by winning the first three, prove that you're the better team, and there therefore game four when you lose, you can treat it as okay. Well, they let the other team win. That would be where the term gentleman sweep comes from. This definitely was not. This okay. was a, a hard fought series all the way through. Yes, Denver outclassed them from a talent perspective. I said that before the series even began. I thought they had the two best players on the court at all times. But there's something to be said for a a team that really wants it. A a group of guys that is absolutely willing to scratch and claw despite being overwhelmed uh, from a talent perspective. And look, Miami gave Denver all they could handle last night. Yeah. Denver simply had Nikola Jokic and Miami didn't. That was the difference in the game. Everyone else on the court was diving on the floor for loose balls. They were getting their shots blocked. They were getting forced into turnovers. Uh, Jokic did have some some sloppy turnovers, but bottom line is I, I think he was like 14 for 16 or some ridiculous, like 13 for 16 from the floor, 28 points, which I said was more impressive to me than half the 50-point games I've seen this season because – the defense being played was outstanding uh, for, for, the, for the full 48 minutes. I, I think even if Miami had won, I think they were better off losing last night because even if they had won, there's no way that they would have been able to duplicate that that type of energy two days later. It just wasn't going to happen. But, yeah, I, I, I thought that game five was the best game of the whole series. Uh, you, you look at the box score and you'll probably think I'm nuts because both teams, uh, from a statistical standpoint, shot like crap. Uh, but you, it's one of those things you would have had to watch the game and, and seen the desperation that both of those teams played with. It, it is something that you only see during the NBA playoffs because that that's when you see what these, what these players are truly made of. Uh, it, it's the reason I always watch the finals regardless of who's playing in it. Cause you get moments like that. Yeah. I, I think it was some of the best defense I've seen in the NBA in a while for, for both teams. I mean, 
everybody was fighting as hard as they possibly could. It was so tight. It was, it was claustrophobic. I mean, you, you just could not get free from, from your man. And, and it really showed in the, in the, uh, you know, the three point stat line, especially for the nuggets. I think they hit like three or four, three pointers last night. It it wasn't, it wasn't like, you know, their usual type of performance or, or a usual NBA performance, but uh, yeah, no, I, you know, Season's over now, and now we can move on to the NBA draft next week. Uh, do you think Jokic was a little weird last night? <laughs> uh, you no, know, I, I, I've never seen anybody react the way that he, he just like he didn't even care. It was like not a big deal to him. Uh, it, it, reminded, it reminded me a lot of Larry Bird. Larry Bird did not. He he wasn't the guy for celebrations. He honestly just wanted to go back home, uh, Indiana, just hang out with his friend. He wasn't as deadpan as Jokic because you got to understand Jokic is like he had Larry Bird's attitude, but it's like if Larry Bird was from Serbia, uh, halfway across the world, like Jokic can't just catch a catch a train and go home. He has to fly halfway across the world to get back home to his horses and his family. And the thing is, it's clear that Jokic loves and appreciates the sport of basketball. It's not like he does this. Of course, it's a job for him. He wouldn't be in America at all if it, this wasn't the best league in the world paying uh, enormous, ungodly sums of money for him to be playing basketball here. Uh, but, he, look, he, he generally appreciates the game of basketball. It's not about numbers to him. When, when he's on the court, you, you see the joy that he plays with, the artistry. But when he's off the court, look, he just wants to – he, his job is done. He wants to punch the clock. He wants to go home. He is like 99.9% of us when we are at our jobs. We can't expect everybody to to love the celebration, to to want to put himself in the spotlight. That's just not who he is. And I, I bring that back to Larry Bird because that's not who he was. Larry Bird didn't want any parts of the celebration. He just wanted to go home and mow his lawn. <laughs> he just... He his his joy was being in the arena and and, and playing the the game that that he was so great at, and that's I think that's the same thing for Jokic. Uh, look, if Jokic retires and we never hear from him again, I am perfectly cool with that. Uh, he owes none of us anything other than to give his best uh, every time he he clocks in and steps on the court in, in plays. Uh, what he does off the court. Whatever his attitude is, I honestly don't care. Yeah, um, yeah, I guess I kind of feel the same way. He did. There was some fun stuff that you didn't see on TV that you saw this morning, like where he threw Jamal Murray in the pool. That was that was pretty fun. Uh, so yeah, no, I uh, I I wouldn't say that he you know is a bad guy or I think some people took it the wrong way or whatever. But uh, but yeah, no, I think he's just all business, and that's just that's just who he is. But. Anyhow, uh, let's go ahead and jump into it. Let's get into the 2008 NBA draft. Keith, uh, what kind of news and notes do we have this week? Uh, just a couple notes. Uh, first and foremost, uh, the, this, this is the draft where the one-and-done era truly took hold uh, in the circles of the, the NBA draft. Uh, the, the first three picks and four of the first five picks were all high-profile one-and-done players a lot of which probably would have gone straight to the NBA out of high school if they were given the opportunity. And who who had the the pick of of this very talented upper echelon, or I, I would say highly touted uh, upper echelon crop of rookies, it was actually the Chicago Bulls. And, of course, everyone remembers that. They remember the Bulls had the first pick in 2008. They got the hometown, hometown kid. Uh, but what people I think don't remember is that the Bulls weren't that bad the season before. They 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 were the they had the ninth best odds uh, to win the lottery. To put that in perspective, they were all, their their odds of winning the lottery were only zero point two percent better than the Orlando Magic's odds when they won uh, the first pick in the nineteen ninety three NBA draft after just missing the playoffs by one game. It, 1.7% chance the Bulls had of landing that topic, and they landed it. That, that's really the story of this draft. That's uh, that's, that's interesting uh, because here we come to uh, the number one pick in the draft in Chicago. 
is not going to be taking the hometown boy this time. Uh, I am going to be going with Russell Westbrook here. I, I know that, look, everybody wants to talk about Westbrook and uh, everything that Westbrook has become later in his career. And look, I get it. I get it. This is this is what happens to every player, basically. Every great player is going to come to a point in their career where they're just not who they used to be. But when Westbrook was on, we're talking about a guy who averaged a triple-double three years in a row. Do you have any idea how hard that is to do as a point guard? I mean, it's not its not easy. The rebounding alone, I mean, is, is huge. Now, you could make an, a case and say that, well, you know, he was the only player that really the Thunder had at that point in time, so he had to kind of do everything. But I, I, I just don't see it that way. I see a tremendous score. I see a guy, if you could get him some some extra teammates, he's he's going to be even better. Uh, I, I mean, it's just, you know, th- this is a guy, he took helped take the Thunder to the NBA Finals. That wasn't just Kevin Durant by himself. Westbrook had just as much to do with that as anybody else. And, uh, I, I mean, I love Derrick Rose. I absolutely love him. And this has nothing to do with his injury. I just got to go with a guy who's going to fill up that stat sheet and and be more of a playmaker and and Westbrook is I think the top playmaker in this entire draft. So yeah, I, I've had a great many problems with Russell Westbrook over the years. I, I think the the incredible stat lines that he put up uh, in his later years with Oklahoma City, I think those are a function of his his greatest trait, which to me was his motor, the the fact that he could go full tail just stick his thumb on the turbo button and never let go of it for 40 some minutes a game. I don't know if I've ever seen Russell Westbrook tired. I've seen him come out of games. I don't know why, because he, he always seems like he's the freshest guy on the floor, just an amazingly well-conditioned athlete. And I think that's where a lot of the the rebounds and and the points come from. I have a great deal of, (laughs) of uh, complaints about his, his shot selection and, and, at the end of close games, how he, how he can be baited into to bad mistakes. I always remember that MVP season, his first triple-double season. Uh, he had – everyone complained that he didn't have any players on his team. It's because he had the highest usage rate of all time. He had DeMontis, Sabonis, and Victor Oladipo on his team, and everyone treated them like scrubs because they, all, you know, they almost never touched the ball. And then they moved on to other teams, and they became all-stars. All that said, I can't argue this pick because Westbrook is deservedly one of the top 75 players of all time. Immense talent. Uh, I always thought he would have been better off as a shooting guard because I always thought he needed someone else on the court with him to tell him when he needs to stop shooting. But aside from that, look, you put him on the Bulls, and I think it works out just just as well, if not better, uh, than when they drafted Derrick Rose because nothing they, they don't really need to change anything. He plays the same position. He's a, a similar type of player, similar type of athlete, and they can build around him like normal. And you know what? He's extremely durable uh, compared to Derrick Rose. So there's an argument that this could go even better uh, for, for the Bulls, even though I think Derrick Rose at his best was a little better than Russell Westbrook. All right, so with the number two pick, uh, I am representing the Miami Heat, who tanked extremely hard for this pick, and the basketball gods punished them with the most anti-Heat culture lottery pick of all time. Definitely, Michael uh, Beasley. Funny how, funny how that always happens. Yep. All right. Uh, now, I, I'm, I know I'm at a crossroads here because I know this Heat team is going to get dismantled in two two seasons, and they're going to put together a super team. Now I have the, the obvious choice here is is to pick Derrick Rose because he's clearly the best player on the board. Uh, my problem is how does Derrick Rose fit long term with LeBron and Wade and Chris Bosh? Now you could say, oh my God, that's that's amazing. They would win seventy games a year, and I would say I don't trust LeBron James, Derrick Rose, and Dwayne Wade to space the floor for each other. And Derrick Rose was not a plus defender either. So I am going to take the lesser player here. I'm going to pick Kevin Love. That's perfect. That's I was thinking the same thing. That's what I, I, how I had it in my mock. In, in every other 
If any of these other teams on this list had this pick, I would take Derrick Rose without hesitation. However, Miami is on the verge of playing for championships. And when you play for championships, you have to take fit into account. And this is going to be – this will not be a long-term benefit for the Heat. But in the short term, I can't imagine Kevin Love fitting in anything any way but seamlessly with Chris Bosh and LeBron. And he can just – he can be parked outside the three-point line. I think they would be a better team with Kevin Love than they would be with Derrick Rose. I, I think they there's a world where they win four straight championships. I, I think this is that effective a draft pick, which only makes me realize just how badly Miami screwed this pick. Michael Beasley. Yep. He's on my board. He he might go to he should go today. I well, he's on my board too, but yeah. he's not anytime soon. No. All right. So uh with the third pick, uh the, the Minnesota Timberwolves had this pick, but as we know, they swapped it uh with the Minnesota Timberwolves at five in a a cap cutting measure where they dumped a bunch of salary uh Minnesota's way or uh Memphis's way. Yeah. So the Memphis Grizzlies will actually have this pick. Who do you got, Mike? It's an it's a layup here, man. It's super easy. I know we have Michael Conley. Uh, like I I get it. We got Mike Conley. We got we got uh, Kyle Lowry's too as well. We got two great point guards. But when there's a player like Derrick Rose on the board and he's play, he just got done playing at Memphis. You you go and you 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 do what you got to do. Derrick Rose. Uh, is going to be moving uh, really just about 10, 15 minutes down the road uh, and joining the Memphis Grizzlies as their new point guard. And I don't know what you do with Michael, Mike Connolly or or Kyle Lowry at this point. Uh, Lowry isn't really Lowry at this point anyways, but yeah. uh, but I don't know what you do with Mike Connolly, but you figure it out because Derek Rose is, is a premium player and, uh, and and you can definitely build a franchise around him as Chicago did there for a minute i mean he he did take the bulls uh, all the way to the eastern conference finals uh so it, it you know the, he's a guy that you can build around you just got to hope that man he's just got to stop dunking that way he's just got to stop coming down on that one leg just stop doing it john ja Morant does the same thing although john's got bigger fish to fry right now uh so we won't talk about that but derrick rose to the grizzlies it's it's almost too perfect yeah this is this is going to sound really callous because Mike Conley is like Mr. Grizzly. Uh, he's, he's the the greatest guard uh, Memphis has ever had. All respect for Ja, he'll probably surpass him someday, but th- today is not that day. And I I honestly don't care. Yeah. If I, if I'm the Grizzlies, I'm taking Derek Rose and I'm, if Conley can't develop as a, a floor spacer, I'm just going to trade Mike Conley because Derrick Rose is a level above Mike Conley, as good as Mike Conley was. Derrick Rose, at his uh, peak, was the MVP of the entire league in a league where LeBron was still in his prime, in a a league where Kobe, uh, maybe not in his prime, but he was still very, very good. He he hadn't fallen off yet. And Derrick Rose on a team of uh, role players led the Bulls back-to-back seasons, best record in the league. Uh, one of those seasons, he won the league MVP deservedly. So, one one of the exciting point guards of all time. Uh, he he had his own deficiencies. wasn't the best outside shooter. wasn't the best defender. But if you put the ball in his hands on the open floor, I I can't think of any point guard other than Magic Johnson that I that I truly feared uh, in space. He was just so electric. All right, so the the number four pick uh, belongs to the Seattle Supersonics, which is so, so weird because in a few weeks' time, they will no longer be the Seattle Supersonics. This is the the Seattle's official last last appearance in the NBA is this 2008 draft because the league year hadn't ended yet, so they hadn't been renamed. All right, so... I, I, I know with Seattle, I know I've got Jeff Green still. I've got a very young Kevin Durant. I do not have a Russell Westbrook to, to pluck at number four. So I am going to have to find somebody else 
to fit with my long-term plan. And I, oh man, there's, there are a few guys at the, at the top of my board. There's one guy that would be perfect, but not the way he was uh, back in the, back in that time. Uh, if he played back then the way he played now, yeah, he'd be perfect. You know what? I am going to, I'm going to do something interesting. I'm going to stay the course with a different player. Uh, the Seattle Supersonics select Sergi Baca. Oh, wow. Okay. I like that. A little early, but. It is a little early, but I'm looking for, right now, I, I know I have my franchise piece. I know I have the guy that I'm going to build around. And there is no clear-cut superstar individual on my board. So I have to think about fit since everybody right now is kind of the same tier. I, I had, can, I've got four different players I was considering. Sergi Baca, as we actually got to see, absolute perfect fit on a team with Kevin Durant. Uh, led the NBA in blocks multiple times, three-time all-defensive player. Could step out and, and shoot the three a little bit. Uh, very athletic, could run the floor. I, there's I, he a legit NBA champion uh, in his peak. There's really nothing else I can add because we've already seen it. I don't need to tell you how his fit is with OKC. We've seen it already. He was just selected much later in this draft. So I, I am going to stay the course there and hope that uh, down the road, which we will not get to this pick, he was picked much later than 15, but hopefully down the road they, they'll find another great complimentary player. But, yeah, I, I, I really do love the fit. Yeah. All right, so uh, number five. Well, you, you drafted one half of this trade. You might as well take the other one. Uh, drafting on behalf of the Minnesota Timberwolves as the Grizzlies. All right, so who are who are we adding uh, to Minnesota right now, who is basically Al Jefferson and spare parts? Well, you know, see, that's the interesting thing, because they lost out on a power forward center in uh, Kevin Love because we, we took him away from there. Uh, I'm just going to replace him with a, a guy who's uh, basically the same position and is almost as good. I'm going to give the Timberwolves Bro uh, Brooke Lopez, uh, yeah. phenomenal, you know, defensive player, two time all defensive guy, uh, you know, only one all star team, but who cares? Uh, a guy still playing today at a high level, helped the Bucks win an NBA title just a couple of years ago. Uh, but early in his career with the Nets, he was, he was, you know, he was probably could make a case to be a top five center in the league, I think. Uh, so I, I'm, I think that, you know, I know there's Al Jefferson there and spare parts, but uh, again, I think this is another situation that's similar to uh, Derek Rose and, and Mike Conley, like Al Jefferson's great. Brooke Lopez is better. So uh, yeah, I think you just do what you got to do to make that work. And, and uh, you, you can build around uh, Brooke. Yeah, no player in the last 15 years has adapted his game better to the changing landscape of the NBA than Brooke Lopez. Uh, All-star caliber, true center, uh, low-scored uh, type post player in his first half dozen years in the league. Then he starts accumulating knee injuries. Uh, he was with the Lakers at, at one point. The Lakers didn't even want him. Uh, he, he, he would almost had one foot out of the NBA for, for a minute. And then he goes to Milwaukee and starts becoming a volume three-point shooter, which he never flashed in, in the beginning of his career. And all of a sudden, he, he becomes Splash Mountain. The guy got a nickname at, like, age 31. And not only that, the scheme that they played allowed him to become a better defender, even though he lost a lot of his mobility because he's, he's so intelligent. He's a, a gigantic human being over 7'1". He's easily the best drop uh, coverage defender, I think, in the entire league, and that includes um, Rudy Gobert. I, I think he's that good at defending the rim, and he proved it when the during the Bucks championship run. Yeah, I was I was really torn uh, between Brook Lopez and Ibaka for the last pick, to be honest with you. But I I, I got I had to remind myself that I'm not drafting the Brook Lopez of 2023. I'm drafting the Brook Lopez of 2008. So. I, I didn't think it was as good of a fit. All right, the the LA Clippers are up next, and 
Yeah, they. Oof. No, I, I, I think don't you have the Knicks? Oh, excuse me, the Knicks. Yep. I'm sorry. Yep. Wait, no, no, you. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You're right. All right. Um, so the New York Knicks, and I've got two players on my board. Just about even. Problem is, they they drafted one of them, and I think he's a really good player, but he didn't. I don't think he did quite enough with the. I thought the Knicks kind of hurt his career a little bit. So I'm going to go with something different. I'm going to draft Nick Batum. Okay. That one feels early too. It is a little bit. This is another fit. Because I I know Carmelo Anthony is going to force a trade in a couple of seasons. And he's going to desperately need another forward out there with him to take the other team's best perimeter forward. That was always his weakness was defense. And Nick Batum one of the quintessential three and D starting small forwards over the last 15 years uh, was not terribly splashy, uh, but, but he was always efficient, came in, knocked down open threes, played good defense, moved the ball, not too dissimilar to, I think, Tayshaun Prince. Well, I think Prince was a little bit better defensively, but I we're nitpicking here. Uh, there's no one on this board that's going to make the Knicks a instant playoff team. But I'm I'm thinking for down the road when they do have that that brief return to relevancy with Carmelo, who who on this board would give it, uh, the Knicks the best chance to advance in in I want to say four or five years? I think that's going to be Nick Batum. Okay, yeah, I mean that's I could see that. Uh, I now am going for, now we're at the LA Clippers. <laughs> yep, now it's the Clippers' turn, and I'm going to sprint to the podium because the Knicks. Took the guy uh, originally who um, who I thought you were gonna I thought you were just gonna stick, uh, so I'm gonna go with Danilo Gar- Gallinari to uh, to join the Clippers. Um, I mean, you know, uh, a, a pretty decent scorer, a good small forward guy that can come out and 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 I think he's better off the bench than he is as a starter. But I ultimately I think. This is a guy that uh, that you can get a lot out of. Um, still in the league, believe it or not. Uh, or no, actually, no, he did not play this season. Sorry, my fault. Uh, but no, I I, I love his uh, three short three point shooting ability. I love what he could bring to the team. You're right. He he things did not go well. I guess necessarily with the Knicks, they didn't use him the way that he probably should have, and that's why they shipped him off to Denver. But I, I think he works with the Clippers who are who are just a couple of years away from really getting things going with Blake Griffin and Chris Paul and, and all that. Uh, but right now they are just like a bunch of a bunch of guys. Yeah. Uh, essentially. Zach Randolph's on this team, but other than that, they're just a bunch of guys. Um, so we'll see what Danilo can bring to the to the Clippers. I I, I like it. I think it's a, a solid pick. Of course I like it. I made it. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a little 3D chess here because the the Clippers' original number seven pick was Aaron Gordon, who was one of the principal trade assets that they sent to the to New Orleans for Chris Paul. So there, there's a good chance that uh, Daniel Gallinari will be sent to New Orleans for Chris Paul in his stead. So that that's kind of interesting to see how that would play out. But yeah, you you had you've got. Uh, like you said, the Clippers right now are a dumpster fire. They won't be for too much longer, but Gallinari clearly, I think, I don't know about clearly, but I, he's the best player available on my board, or at least yeah. he was. And right next to him, I'm going to take the player that was neck and neck with him. Uh, the Milwaukee Bucks uh, with the number eight pick, select Eric Gordon. Uh, Eric Gordon... <laughs> The, the pride of the University of Indiana. They they thought he was just going to be the the next uh, guy to take them back to the Final Four. It didn't quite outwork that. Uh, didn't quite work out that way. But in any case, look, Eric Gordon is still very relevant even today. Uh, j- just a walking bucket. Uh, n- not the biggest guy, which I think kind of hurts him uh, in in some matchups. A little bit of undersized for a two guard, but man, just that 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 compact, quick release, that shooting form. The fact that he's not just a shooter, he can take you off the dribble. He, he very strong guy for his size, can get to the rim, can finish through contact. If if there is a way to score a point, if there is a way to score a bucket uh, in a possession, Eric Gordon will find a way. 
he he was that much of a uh, a a points merchant. I how he fits with the Milwaukee Bucks. Look, Milwaukee's not they're riding the mediocre train right now. They'll they'll be back in the playoffs soon, and then they'll be back out of it again. I uh, I don't know how he affects their future going forward unless they keep him for life and he winds up playing with Giannis. Uh, aside from that, I. I'm picking him simply because he is easily the best player left on my board. Yeah. Um, I think I'm probably going to do something similar here with my Bobcats pick, but no, I mean, I, Eric Gordon is, I, I think he works with the bucks. I think he works pretty well. I, is that. So that backcourt then would be what Brandon Jennings and Eric Gordon. Yeah. I mean, they tried Brandon Jennings and Monte Ellis. I mean, this is not a far cry at all. Like, this is way better than that. Considering Eric Gordon's an excellent shooter, right? Uh, yeah, no, I don't think that's bad at all. Uh, so with the Bobcats pick at number nine, uh, they're not going to. How long? How much longer are they the Bobcats? When did they switch back to the Hornets? I want to say two thousand and fourteen or fifteen. Okay, well, I'm sorry to do this to Ryan Anderson, uh, but I'm going to make him a Bobcat here for a little while. Uh, Anderson, man, I feel like he's the almost the forgotten guy of this of this draft. Like he, he, his 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 career is sort of sandwiched in. Like the two pieces of bread are are not that great, but that meat in the middle is is solid. I mean, for a while there uh, in New, when especially in New Orleans, I mean, Ryan Anderson was a walking bucket. Uh, he suffered. A little bit of some injury issues late in his career after once he left and um you know Houston things didn't work out as well as, as they could have in Houston. But right now this Bobcats team is somehow won 35 games. I don't know how they did it. Uh but they did it with like no power forward help at all outside of Boris Diaw. No disrespect to Boris Diaw, but I think you can get a lot more out of Ryan Anderson than you can Boris. And I think Ryan Anderson also may have been a, a, a tad bit ahead of his ahead of time you know ahead of his time uh because i think that if you put ryan anderson in the league right now his three-point shooting alone uh is is going to make him one of the better big men in the league i, I maybe i'm wrong maybe I don't, I don't know but i think ryan anderson is uh is, is a great pick here okay i this is where we got to diverge uh-oh i absolutely hate this pick really uh, Sir, you have men you have left out one crucial uh, fact, my friend. You mentioned that the, the Bobcats won 35 games. I yes. agree. That's a miracle. They had you looking at that roster. But when you looked at that roster, did you look at who their coach was? Uh it was Mr. Larry Brown, sir. It it was. Uh do you think Larry Brown would ever put Ryan Anderson into a game? <laughs> he could not defend anybody. I agree with he was one of the best stretch bigs in the entire league for a number of years. Uh, Dwight Howard loved playing with him uh, almost as much as he loved playing with Richard Lewis. But I'm just thinking in terms of if Larry Brown didn't have any patience for Memetto uh, Core, do you think he's going to have any for Ryan Anderson, who is who is even slower uh, than Memetto Core on defense? Uh, uh, well, I mean, at least at least like at least Ryan Anderson can shoot, you know? He can, but Larry did not care about that. That's why he, he would put Eldon Campbell in the game and not a Memento core. <laughs> oh, God. I'll go Eldon. Uh, okay, well, you know, I didn't think about that. Uh, so I'm sorry, Ryan. Uh, things are going to be a little rough for you for a couple of years. <laughs> but don't worry. I mean, uh, there's always the second contract. Yeah, the Paul Silas will be here any day, and you could be part of that seven and fifty nine team. But look, hey, Ryan Anderson was on my board too. I I just thought that particular spot was not the best one for him. But he look, I I, I thought he was a, a good entertaining player, and I thought he contributed to a lot of good teams. All right, so uh, the New Jersey Nets—they are still the New Jersey Nets at this point. Uh, they are up next with the number ten pick. They still have, I believe, Vince Carter and Jason Kidd, unless I'm mistaken. I think they still – no, I think they're going to trade – I'm pretty sure they're going to trade Vince Carter. No, that's next season they're going to trade Vince Carter. So, yeah, they have Vince and Jason Kidd, I think, for one last run. So that backcourt is pretty pretty stout. Uh, who do they need? They, de they definitely need a big man. And I think this is a 
very, very obvious situation. The, the the New Jersey Nets with the number 10 pick select DeAndre Jordan out of Texas A&M. Uh, it will cause everyone a great amount of surprise because DeAndre Jordan stunk at Texas A&M. He was not very good. He got drafted pretty much primarily because he's a very large uh, human being that could jump very high. And all of a sudden, he went to the NBA, and things just kind of clicked for him. And, you know, credit to him. He, he made a great career uh, for himself. Hell, he, he just won a ring with the, with the Denver Nuggets. Yep. He is still in the NBA, and, and he's got a championship ring now. So, look, it, I, at one point, he was not only one of the best rebounders in the league, one of the best shot blockers in the league. He was all-NBA uh, defensive player, first team, I, I believe everyone treats him now like kind of a joke, you know, forgetting that he's been in the league for 15, 16 years and he's on the downside of his career. Yeah. He's sticking, he's sticking around, but the point is he wouldn't still be sticking around if coaches didn't find value in him. Uh, I, I love this fit in the short term, in the long term, the kid, we both know that kid and Vince Carter are not going to be around there uh, forever. So it, 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 at the very worst, he gives the Nets a nice trade chip to, jumpstart their rebuild so there you go pistons legend deandre jordan to the uh, uh to the nets um you know we we didn't talk about it but real real quick uh how many former pistons won championship last night deandre jordan reggie jackson you have to play game you have to play game for for me to count you as a former he's got a picture of himself in a pistons jersey so do i All right, fine. That doesn't no. Reg, no. If, if, you don't, if you don't check in with a Pistons jersey on, you do not count as a former Piston. I know right. it's it's funny to think about it because you can add another name onto the list. Yeah, but I, I just can't go there. I'm sorry. Okay, fine. Re- Reggie Jackson, KCP, yep. uh, Bruce Brown. Yep. Is that all it? No, Ish Smith. Ish Smith yeah, is Ish, on that yep. team. All, you know what? Those are all very valid former Pistons, and congratulations. To each and every one of them, they they deserve it. All right. Please, please do not break the bank to bring back Bruce Brown. Do not. I I will be very upset. I don't know, man. He must come back here for Hamid Diallo money, fine. But he doesn't. He wouldn't. He would be crazy not to go back to Denver if he's going to take a pay cut. Oh, I'm sure he's going right back to Denver. I'm sure they want. They're thinking about repeat. Um. All right. Well, I've got the uh, the Portland Trail Blazers and. Uh, it's not quite Damian Lillard time yet. We still got a ways to go before those days comes. What one note to interrupt? Uh, this this was originally the Indiana Pacers pick, uh, but they swapped picks with the Blazers for uh, between eleven and thirteen uh, for for a handful of things. I, I I was just throwing it out there in case people were looking at uh, Basketball Reference and yeah. they feel confused. Yeah, Basketball Reference doesn't update the thing to to uh, to show trades, so. Uh, I recommend Wikipedia for that, for at yeah. least for that part. Um, so I'm going to select a point guard for them uh, because obviously they're going to take Jared Bayless this year. And Jared Bayless is fine, but I think there's a better point guard out there. And I think his name's Goran Dragic. Uh, Dragic is going to uh, go in this draft in the second round, almost near the you know halfway point of the second round. But he's a he's a really great point guard, a guy who again is still in the league. There's a reason for that because people find uh, value in what he can do. But in his time in Miami uh, and Phoenix, he was he was a super solid player, a, a, a really great point guard, off, uh, you know, off the bench and in the starting lineup. I, I feel like you know that you you just can't go wrong here. Um, I think he's the best point guard left on on the uh, on the board. So that's that's really why I'm taking him because if you don't take him here, it's Sergio Rodriguez is your or, or Steve Blake and uh, and God help any team who has to deal with that. Yeah, I, I kind of ripped your your previous pick. I think this one is damn near perfect. Uh, I I think he gives the Blazers what they needed a lot of guard depth. Uh, you know, Brandon Roy's uh, breaking de- going to break down very soon. He can fill in there. Uh, I remember Goran Dragic, Steve, to this day, my favorite Goran Dragic game uh, was his like coming out party. It was his second season uh, in the NBA. 
They were playing the the Suns were playing the Spurs in the playoffs. It was Game Four. They were on the verge of sweeping the Spurs, and then Steve Nash has to leave with an, an injury. It was a real nasty one. And Goran Dragic, everyone thinks this is where the Spurs are going to spark their comeback. And Goran Dragic comes in and he just annihilates every Spur guard in the court. And no one knew who the hell Goran Dragic was at the time. It was, I, I absolutely love it. It was an unbelievable performance. It was one of my favorite uh, guy out of nowhere dominates playoff game moments. And of course, he he parlayed that into a, a fine career for himself. As as you said, he can he can still play today, even at uh, you know in his mid thirties. All right, the Sacramento Kings at the number twelve pick, and oh boy, this is one of the the worst Sacramento Kings rosters I've ever seen, and they've had a lot of bad ones. Uh, Kevin Martin, who's kind of breaking down at this point, still very good. Uh, Still near all-star level, but he's not available like he used to be. He's he gets hurt a lot. And then after that, your second best player is what 32-year-old Brad Miller, you know, John Salmons. I mean, this is a this this is a team that needs to be torn down and, and can rebuild, which of course we know they won't do that for another 10 years. So who am I going to punish by by sending them to Sacramento? It is going to be none other than the player that Goran Dragic torched in that game I just talk about, uh, talked about. Uh, everything comes full circle with me. Uh, Mr. George Hill. Out of, I, I want to say he went to IUPUI, didn't he? Uh, yeah, it was a small school. That's yeah. all I remember. Yeah. All right. So uh, George Hill, one of the rock steady guards, still is <laughs> of his generation. Uh, n- never approached... Uh, anything near being an all-star, but he was always dependable. He still is dependable. Uh, longevity is really the key with him. He could, he, I, there's a world where he starts every single game that he plays in from 2008 to today, because he was always a starting caliber guard. And I think the best thing that I can say about him is that the, the Pacers uh, when they draft him, they trade him on draft day for Kawhi Leonard, or they trade Kawhi Leonard on draft day for George, straight up for George Hill. That's how much they thought of George Hill. It was still a horrible idea, but you get my point. Uh, the things that George Hill brings to the court really has no weaknesses. Could defend, could shoot, uh, good floor general. Uh, those are all valuable traits. All right, so the once again, you are conducting a draft for t- both sides of a trade. Uh, you are now picking 13th, Mike, uh, for the Indiana Pacers. Hmm. We got for us. Hum. Hum, hum, hum. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think I might just do this. I am going to select, uh, I certainly hope the weed is good in Indiana, because I am taking O.J. Mayo uh, with the Pacers pick. No, I, no, no Wolves, no Wolves here. O.J. is a fine, fine player. Just, he just was, yes. Yes. Uh, he just, he's got issues. Um, and that's, and, he, you know, to be fair, this guy should be playing in the league right now. I I, I think it's totally unfair what the NBA did to him. Uh and I don't know if it may be – I don't know if this is strictly drug-related drug anymore because I know in his his later years he had some serious conditioning issues. Okay. Like, where he looked like a 6'4 power forward checking in the game. <laughs> like, I, I, it's not that – I think the league has gotten over the marijuana thing. I, I think it's just about uh, teams having very long memories, and the last time O.J. Mayo got a huge bag, he just stopped caring for a year and a half. Yeah, that is a problem. Um, so I'm sorry, Indiana, but I guess I'm not sorry at the same time because you know it's the Pacers, and and uh, I I know that Keith is a member of uh, somewhat a member, an honorary member of the Pacers community, uh, but but uh, we, we've got to disappoint him today. And OJ Mayo, and, and look, it's not that big of a disappointment because when OJ was on, he was a he was a yeah, pretty decent player. player. You're absolutely right. And you know what? The one thing that the Pacers never could figure out was a shooting guard. Like right. the, they had Lance Stevenson, who has become like a folk hero of the Indiana Pacers community because he was the only two guard that they had that could walk, walk and chew gum at the same time uh, in the 2010s. 
where they had borderline all-stars at every other position. And then they had at the two, they had Lance. He, he was always like the fifth starter. So yeah, OJ Mayo to me is an upgrade over Lance Stevenson at the very least. Uh, this is not for the short term. This is honestly not a bad pick, Mike. It's just not a pick that's going to to pay off any dividends more than five years down the road. No. All right. So uh, I have the number 14 pick, the last pick in our redraft. And yeah, I have the uh, Golden State Warriors. And this is a very important pick for the Golden State Warriors because this is the the pick a year before they draft their franchise. And what I want to do is I want to think long-term who am I going to select here that will fit the best with that Golden State team, specifically Steph Curry and maybe Clay Thompson? Mm. This is actually a tough one. Like half of me wants to draft Maurice Spades, to be honest with you. But even Maurice Spades was... I mean, he was there and he, and he played, but he wasn't like a great fit because his defense wasn't very good. All right. You know what? I think I have my answer. Uh, out of, I believe, Texas, uh, the Golden State Warriors select DJ Augustine. Uh, DJ Augustine, uh, not a guy that's going to start and win you a, a bunch of games ever, but that's fine because we we all know that Golden State has two Hall of Famers. Uh coming on the way very soon uh, to their backcourt. What does DJ Augustine do for you? Uh, He is a spark plug. He is a guy that can play point guard. He is also a guy that can take over a game when he gets hot. Uh, Not the worst defender, despite being barely six feet tall. Uh, I always thought he put in tremendous effort defensively. And I think he can play a similar role to what Lando Barbosa played uh, with with that uh, mid-2010s Warriors team. I think there's a lot of potential there that he could be a great fit. I, I you know what? Come to think of it, I was thinking about his off-ball cutting, but he, I, I remember him making some nice uh, backdoor cuts with the Pistons and, and getting layups off the ball. I could be remembering it wrong. I just I, I remember him being a, a really malleable player that could fit into any kind of a system, even the Warriors one that was so motion heavy. All right. Well, uh, wait a minute. A trade has been made. The Pistons have traded up all the way from uh, where were they? Somewhere in the second round. Uh, well, no, what they actually did they they had the they had the second best record in the league, so they had the last second to last pick in the draft this year, and they actually traded out of the first round into the second round, so they could draft Walter Sharp and not have to give him a guaranteed contract. Oh, all right. Well. Um, I have a I have an idea, Keith, but I don't know. I don't think you're gonna like it. Okay. Should I just rip it off like a band-aid? I think I know where you're going because you said I'm not gonna like it, so I'm pretty sure, but go on. Roy Hibbert. I actually liked Roy Hibbert, believe it or not. Okay. Well then I guess it's not that bad. Yeah, I thought all right, Roy Hibbert, everyone again, this is another guy that gets treated as a joke today because he had a playoff game where he had, I think one point or, or zero points and one rebound or something. Yeah. And I, I, a lot of people put that on the, the NBA passing him by as a true center. I think the problems went a lot deeper than that. He had uh, personal issues inside that, that Pacers locker room that I think affected him uh, mentally for the rest of his career. Look, it, Yes, it, it's true that the, the NBA speeding up in, in the mid-2010s kind of, it definitely lessened the demand for a player like Roy Hibbert. But, but it, prior to that, his first five years, uh, he was one of the best rim protectors in the whole league. He made multiple all-star teams to prove it. He was never a great scorer, but he was good enough for you couldn't uh, mess with him in the low post. <laughs> you you had to respect it. I mean, the guy was like 7'2", 7'3". He was huge. I, I don't think that is he going look, is he going to change the Pistons destiny here? Not really. But the one thing the Pistons never had in the last decade plus was a great room protector. And Roy Hibbert is certainly that. So down the road, look, he's not going to save this this 
Iverson 2009 disaster. Certainly not. But look, down the road uh, in the early 2010s, I, I could see him playing a, a vital role in this team not being terrible. That's the best I can say about it. He's not yeah. going to take the Pistons to 50 wins or something ridiculous. Uh, but he does he does provide them with something that they didn't have any of uh, during the last decade. Well, my original plan was DJ Augustine because my thought process was if we can get another point guard in here, maybe Joe won't. If maybe Joe will still trade Chauncey, but maybe he'll trade him for not Allen Iverson, you know, maybe for something else. But well, it was Iverson thing was the contract. It, it had nothing to do with him wanting Iverson the player. It was more like I want the expiring contract so I can get pap room this summer, and if Iverson works out, then that's just icing on the cake. I don't think it had anything to do with Joe wanting Iverson over Chelsea. Okay. I just why would you want cap room in this? I, what, okay, wait, is this the LeBron summer or is it the following it, summer? No, it was the the following summer. So this is but, the Ben Ben Gordon Charlie Nivel. Yeah, uh, but, so. yeah, but he also there were we won't get into it until another podcast. Okay. There, yeah. there were other things that were reportedly in emotion that were stopped when Bill Davidson died. All right. So that'll be part of our Joe Dumars part two episode. Yep. And That's which for per 24 episodes from now. Yeah, it was kind of wild before we get to that. But it's coming, don't worry. Uh, next week we are going to be, uh, doubling up. We're going back to the draft board, uh, but with a guest this time, we are going to be, uh, having on dime dropper with us. Uh, I, I believe his name is, uh, Darian Vizieri. He is the, the host of lockdown Clippers currently. All right. Well, that makes sense because, uh, next week the Clippers are going to be having the number one pick. And this is probably, I can't wait for this draft because, yeah. It's it's huge. We've got guys like Hashim Tabi. Uh, oh, all right, I'll be serious. We got Blake Griffin. We got James Harden, Stephen Stephen Curry, Demar Derozan. Uh, Brandon Jennings is in this trade. The Timberwolves are going to take every single point guard in the whole draft. Uh, it, uh, this is this is a, this is going to be a lot of fun. I I can't wait to uh, to see um, how many point guards the Timberwolves take this time. Uh, my soul too. I, I loved Hashim to beat in college. No, he was I, really I, good I thought, at UConn. I thought he could be like the next Dikembe Mutombo, and he just wasn't. It was clear almost immediately that he wasn't. I, I don't know what went wrong for him in the NBA, <laughs> but man, I, I guess I should have seen the signs when Michigan State made him just completely punked him, I think, in the final four. There's a lot of guys in this draft that like Tyler Hansborough was another one, like guys who, you know, were really uh, good in college and just did not just didn't, right. it didn't work in the NBA for them. Uh, so I'm, I'm interested uh, in, in seeing where we go with this one and uh, we will see you guys next week.